Welcome to A Battle Within, episode number 56. I'm Drew Neiman. Today on A Battle Within, Terry, my wife and the inspiration for the program, and I tackle the homeless and the incarcerated and their relationship to traumatic brain injuries. No matter what one's initial perspective may be on the topic, it must be spoken about. In both populations, this is a very real epidemic, and unfortunately, it goes largely unnoticed. In this month of awareness, Terry and I try to shed some light on the subject, and we fully understand that this can present a bit of a dark feel to the story, but it is one that needs to be told. We'll dig into that in a minute, but first, A Battle Within is about our life experiences and those of our guests living with and healing from traumatic brain injuries with an emphasis on post-concussive syndrome, otherwise known as PCS. The conversations are real, raw, and uncensored from both the warrior and caregiver perspectives. From time to time, we also get medical professionals involved so they can offer their expertise as well. It is our desire that this platform be a useful way to create awareness around the invisible injury and help those in the battle, whether that is you, the warrior, or you, the caregiver. One way to do that is to share, so please do share. On a side note, a few things to point out. If you haven't already done so, be sure to listen into episode number 51. Joanne Silver-Jones, the author of Headstrong, offered her fascinating story to us. I can tell you firsthand that it is an amazing book. Aside from my own assessment, it has received nothing but five-star reviews up until this point on Amazon. You can find out more about Joanne at joannejonesauthor.com. A link for the book is also available in the show notes here today. Just as intriguing is our last episode, number 55, with Martha Holser. If you haven't had a chance yet, be sure to go back in and listen. It is a very fascinating conversation where we had one with a professional photographer trying to demonstrate what vision looks like for those affected by traumatic brain injuries. As always, we hope you find the information offered here to be useful. Remember that we are not medical professionals. We're offering our own experiences, perspectives, and information we have learned via our own research. Okay, here we go on to the conversation about this very important topic, one of which does not get nearly enough attention, in my opinion. Hello again, Terry Neiman. Hello again, Drew Neiman. Hey, Terry, you know, it's March, and so because of that, it's Brain Injury Awareness Month. Right, and March 4th is Brain Injury Awareness Day. Down in D.C., we know some folks that are going there. So hopefully, by the time this airs, that will have happened, and I hope they've uh, had a good time and got some stuff done, the folks down there that are going. And for those folks you know who you are, we say thank you for your work. Thank you. With it being Awareness Month, I want to talk about something, or I should say two things related to this, and that is about the awareness of TBIs in the homeless and the incarcerated communities. Yeah, large population. Yes, yeah. right. Now, you and I have spoken a little bit earlier about you know school-aged children and how it's misunderstood previously right. a little bit and stuff like that. Pretty um, eye-opening to me, all that stuff. Yes, but... I think we have to talk here a little bit about the homeless and the incarcerated because they are greatly affected. And yeah. it would not be awareness if we weren't talking about it, right? So right. it was a topic that 
I found to be interesting, um, and I wanted to shed some light on it, okay? Yep. It's a very real concern here in the United States, but yet it's not on the forefront of anybody's consciousness. Are you good with pursuing this topic a little bit here? Yeah. You want to explore this? Okay. Let's do it. Again, we're not experts. We're not claiming to be experts in this particular area. Mm -hmm. The sources that I used in my research will be available in the show notes, so don't you worry about that. So I'm going to give you some statistics here, Terry, and I would like to get your take on it, right? Okay. There is more than 50% of the folks that are homeless Mm -hmm. have experienced at least one traumatic brain injury in their lifetimes. Betcha they're liable to more out there on the streets, too. Yeah, that's true, and we're going to talk about that in a second. Unfortunately, many of these injuries for the homeless happen in childhood and in abusive situations prior to becoming homeless. So did they go, you think, undiagnosed? Yeah, I'm sure an awful lot of them, that was the case. Now, to put that in perspective, talking about 50% of the homeless population plus, I think the actual number is 53, but it's more than half, right? Okay. To offer perspective on that, the general population is 8.5% that have had a traumatic brain injury. It's a significantly different number, right? Wow. Yes. Mm -hmm. They recently did a study, and the study was done, and it was the paper was kind of published in February and spoke to it, and that will you know will be in the show notes. But they took these statistics and they did this study across multiple different countries, including the U.S., Canada, some uh, some other folks, right? Right. You know, as it turns out, it's it's ridiculous the rates of it. So, do you find the Wait, num- was it in other co- in ridiculous in other countries too? Then yes, yeah? it's just it's across the world. It's a yeah. it's a problem. Okay, All right. Do you find these numbers alarming? Oh, I find it sad. Okay, not just alarming. I I mean, uh, it doesn't surprise me. So maybe not so much alarming would be the word that's going through me right now. It's more I find it sa- I find it disheartening, sad. Yeah. That's the way I felt. I'm not surprised by the numbers by any means. But I do feel what you're talking about, just the sadness around yeah. it. And it's... It, it's a, it's a freaking shame, yeah. really. Such a huge part of the homeless population tends to also be veterans, too, which is not good. And, you know, frankly, I'm scared, silly. Traumatic brain injury is is the marquee, so to speak, injury of the, our recent conflicts over in the desert. Is this potentially going to get worse before it gets better? I don't know. Probably so, unless we do something about it. It becomes more on the forefront and the awareness is there. And when with awareness, then comes building in resources and it supports. That's why I'm talking about it today. and exactly. want to get your perspectives. Mm-hmm. Did you have any idea about the statistics or an inclination before I brought it to your attention today of the 50%? No, I knew that there were a lot that probably had mental illness. I knew that was, I heard that. Her mental illness in jails and in the homeless was extremely high. Okay. It might not be mental illness. It might be traumatic brain injuries, right? Example. And they could well, be, yeah. That would take you back to when we were talking about like this children in special education. Right. The study that was published, all right, back in December by Lancet Public Health that's December 2019, indicated that it is both the cause and the consequence of homelessness, the traumatic brain injuries. The other thing, too, is the numbers are also 
very hard to gauge as far as being accurate because the folks are so transient. Right. And they may not seek medical attention. And they might have other medical concerns, such as you were talking about with mental health issues, that may mask the TBIs. So the reality is this number could be even bigger than the 50%. Yeah, it probably is. Yeah. Now, like those with post-concussive symptoms, those treated also seem to be lacking the care after they get out of the acute phase. Now, we've heard this across all the populations where it's like kind of like I'm released from now rehab. What? Now what? Some kind of kick to the curb. Right. Same thing is happening with the, with the homeless folks. So it's being probably the support system right. at home Yeah, a lot of the times. And I'm not saying that's the only thing. I'm just thinking, I'm thinking out loud, folks. Yeah. And I'm thinking maybe that's part of it. Not all of it. it and, you know, maybe they, they went back to, they didn't have a lot to begin with, you know, and then they lost that. Like maybe they couldn't do their job and maybe they didn't have someone there helping them navigate all that paperwork that they needed to do for certain things or whatever. Yeah. You know, that's I know, true. Like I can't handle the mountains of paperwork. You help me. Yeah. Then it might just be easier to be on the street than to be collecting disability or something of that nature. Great. Yeah, that's very possible. I can see that. So awareness obviously is a start. Do you see any other potential solutions here, Terry? Well, for the ones that are there. Yeah, for the homeless folks. Yeah. Maybe maybe providing some services, but I don't know how that would happen. Like, how would you reach that? Yeah, that's yeah. the difficult part because yeah. it transient. But I think screenings, documenting the potential folks that might have come into one hospital, having some kind of database where all the hospitals could read one another would have be helpful as well. If they could freely share their information but that's an animal all in itself that's a big question yeah i know but hey got to bring it up i don't have the answers i don't either until we get to the point where there's enough awareness i think we just got to keep ringing the bell so we can really do at a particular point other than and you know for for all of us where we live we do see some folks who who are homeless and i'm not talking about the peddlers Talking about homeless folks, you know, that is sincerely homeless. You know, that close to a city, small city, still a city. And just to have a little empathy for those folks, I think would go a long way as well. I'm going to move on to the incarcerated, if that's okay with you. You have any other final thoughts before I do? Uh, Yeah, I'm just thinking that, you know, when you're saying with empathy towards them, we're always, you know, a lot of times that doesn't happen. Sometimes we think, oh, well, they are they asking for money and don't really need it. I mean, you know. What are they going to do with the money? Yeah. Is it going to go towards what they really need or or drugs? You know, like, so how do you give that empathy that's actually beneficial? Yeah. You know what I mean? It's a double-edged sword. Yeah. But at least if you're thinking about it, you could try to at least understand and and help create awareness around it, right? Yeah. All right, the incarcerated. Yeah. There are over 2 million people incarcerated in the United States, Terry. That's according to the Department of Justice. Okay. Of those t- 2 million people, it is believed that somewhere between 25 to 87% of those folks are living with a traumatic brain injury. Big range. Yeah. Hard to test. Depends where they are. How violent is the prison? What happened before they got to prison? So on and so forth. Uh, how many times yeah. are they acquiring 
a brain injury in prison. Right. My gosh. Yep. That is very true because that does happen where they're getting hurt in prison, obviously, but it also happens with the homeless, especially the more elderly homeless with like a beat up on the streets, things like that. It also happens in the prisons. Right. The thing with the with the incarcerated is that it is very widely believed that most of the incarcerated have had a traumatic brain injury prior to their criminal activities. Which, so it's like, which came first, the chicken or the egg, and, and that's how they wind up in jail. Yes. And like the homeless, they could present with the same set of behavioral issues, concern, whatever else, and it might be related to a traumatic brain injury. And there's a strong correlation with the incarcerated with domestic abuse. That they were the abuser or the abusee? Could be both. Think about it. If you're growing up in a violent, unstable situation, you could turn into that, you know, because that's what, it's a learned behavior, right? Right. And then you make matters worse. So many of these folks are then released back into society without any support system. So we're kind of... There's no way to take care of themselves. So a lot of times they'll want to go back where they are taken care of, at least right. by getting a hot meal and a bed. Exactly. So Roof over their head. Got any solutions for the prison side, Terry? That was really tough. To, these are, you know, Drew, no. I wish I did. Maybe bring in services while they're there is a thought. that I think I think that's a good some thought. Some testing, some services, some therapies while they're there, and then make sure they get set up with them while they're out. But how do you go about, you know, these sometimes these services are expensive. It depends on what kind of your insurance, right? Yeah, I don't know the dynamics of that. I can't pretend to be an expert there, but... I guess that would be up to the parole officer and that that piece of the equation afterwards. But well, maybe I don't know. They can get some insurance, good insurance for it. I don't know. I also think, unlike the homeless folk, it's e- it would be easier to screen and and uh, monitor these these individuals while they were incarcerated, right? Well, they're not and, all over the place, right? Right, exactly. And I wonder if that happened. You know, not always is it obviously seen, but how many of these folks don't even realize that they might have a brain injury? And maybe just the fact that if they got screened a little bit and somebody actually diagnosed it, that would actually give them greater understanding to themselves, which then could turn around where they can actually help themselves as well. Right. As well as the supports once they get out. Yeah, that's you know, a good point. You know, not, not just there, but on the... In the inside and the outside. And how many of them, when they do get out, wind up being the homeless or returning to jail? I mean, we have a friend that was, um, no names mentioned, but hey, he he was mentioning publicly and, and talking about how he wrote a beautiful post about how he was out of jail, but several of the people that got out at the same time with him all had returned to jail. It was like 12 of them, and they're all together, and about four of them had not returned. Some of them had already died. It was a very disturbing post to see, and he mentioned that his support of his friends and his family were the difference. Point taken. So it might also be like some sort of a a support group on the outside that's lined up, you know. Yeah, yeah. and then he would have went because he had such, uh, like, that, surrounding of love and being there and something to look forward to and feel good about stayed with within that and not wanting to go back to the other place like he, and there were other people that were 
in his corner. In his corner. Now, you know, and then there's other people that maybe they come out and they Got nobody. go back to jail. Or they wind up dead like he was talking about. Do you think that it is very possible that one is feeding the other? From the incarcerated to the homeless, back and forth? Some of it, yeah. I think it's very possible. And that people are ending up back on the inside because they don't know how to cope on the outside. They might not have a support system. There, they at least get a bed yeah. and a meal to eat. That so type maybe of you're thing. helping a little bit of the homeless situation by providing the therapy and the supports in the, within the prisons and the testing and then having that continue out besides just parole checking in. Right. But like other supports built in. It's just a thought. It's uh, to me, it's a can of worms. Yeah, I'm not gonna pretend I have the answer. You know, my goal here today was to just make sure that uh, we expressed it from an awareness perspective. Right. You know, being that it is Awareness Month, so uh, that's a topic that uh, has been of interest to me, and I just wanted to get your perspectives on it. You folks out there, if you have any thoughts on it, please, you know, drop drop them in 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 the uh, comment section of the uh, episode page on Facebook or Instagram. Any final thoughts on the topics today, Terry? No, it doesn't sit well with me, though. I just want to say that. I feel uh, discouraged right now, I guess. Seems bleak to me. No, this doesn't make me feel good. It makes me feel really, really sad. Uh, I'm sorry that I brought it up to make you feel this sad. But, no, yeah. I think it's a good that you did, and I think that people need to know and awareness is critically important to ever make changes. So don't feel bad. It's just the way I am. You know that. Yeah, okay. I'm going to wrap it up then, okay? Okay. Connect with us at abattlewithin.com and on Facebook and Instagram at abattlewithin. If you'd like to be featured on the podcast, please reach out to us at drew at abattlewithin.com or via Facebook Messenger. Tell us a little bit about your story, and we'll get back in touch. Any ideas for an episode topic? Reach out with those as well. Please take the time to subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen and be sure to share with everyone in your life you feel could benefit. Notes and resources for this particular episode are available at abattlewithin.com backslash 058. Until next time, for those healing, show yourself some grace. For those who know someone healing, show them the same and give them a great deal of love. Bye, guys. Take care, folks. Keep battling. Bye-bye.